Welcome to episode two of Beyond a Parent, the podcast for Christians seeking clarity for parenting in a confusing world. I'm Jeremy Autry. And I'm Chuck Mead. And we're here and we've got our coffee. Jeremy, what uh, what kind of coffee creamer did you put in today? Um, I put in Starbucks cinnamon dulce. I don't know how to say that dolce? word. Dolce? I don't know. Is it a C-H or a... Yeah, something like that. Um, if In case you didn't know this, uh, me and Jeremy both love coffee. We drink it regularly. He might drink more than I do. Yesterday, I accidentally drank uh, two... Um, flat whites that each had four shots of espresso while we were at Starbucks. I had eight shots of espresso at Starbucks. He was feeling so good. It was great. We don't have that much, but we have enough to keep us going. So if you hear a little sipping in the background, you know, that's just our caffeine fix for the day. It's okay. Um, But we're probably having more. And uh, yeah, we're glad to be back. And I guess this really is kind of our first full official episode and we just kind of want to start off with um like the foundational thing about the gospel and so think about this what do we do when our kid comes to us asking about being a christian or following jesus and um i mentioned this before my son is three years old and i'm just um looking for opportunities to uh, point him to jesus to point him to the word Um, But I just think, what am I going to do when he starts asking me questions? Maybe some of you have already faced that, but what do we do? What do we say as parents in that moment? Because here's the deal. This is the thing. There's nothing more important uh, in your kid's life than whether or not they put their trust in Christ. There's nothing more important uh, in your job as a parent than... um, leading your kid to understand where they're going to spend eternity mm. and that they can be rescued from their sin. Yeah. Uh, so this is more important than what college they're going to attend. This is more important than whether or not they play sports. This is more important than whether or not they have friends. This is more important than any other concern that you have as a parent. This is it. This mm. is preeminent. So uh, let's begin with the discussion of what is the gospel And obviously, it's dangerous for us to define these things ourselves. So we turn to Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul says, Moreover, brethren, in verse 1, I declare unto you the gospel. Then he goes down into verse 3 to explain what the gospel is. I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. This is the gospel, that uh, you are a sinner. Your kids, nobody needs to tell you this because they live in your house. They're sinners, Mm. and uh, scripture says they deserve an eternal punishment because of their sin. But God loves them so much. He sent his son, Christ, uh, to rescue us. Uh, God loves us. Christ loves us so much that he took our punishment on the cross. They killed him. Uh, The reason scripture says he was buried is because that's important. He was literally, physically dead. Mm. They buried him. Three days later, he got up from the grave proving that he was the Messiah and he could rescue us. That's the gospel. Uh, When Jesus came early on, first thing he said was, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Mm. Uh, This is it. This is our first most important job as parents to help them understand what that looks like. So 
Um, Pastor Chuck, I thought it would be cool if you talked a little bit, go all the way back to, I don't know, 1995 when you were just a kid. That's pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah. And tell us about your salvation. Okay, so <clears throat> so I guess just so everybody knows, we'll, I'll share mine, and then in the next episode, um, we're going to dive into uh, Pastor Jeremy's uh, salvation it's testimony. It's like a cliffhanger. Yes, you you'll just in. have to wait, tune in. It's funny, Jeremy, because like when people share their testimonies, and we do this a lot in student ministry, and you know, I have some people come in and share and and they got saved later on in life and just have all this. And it's like, oh man, a testimony is just powerful. Like their life was a wreck. They were like, you know, they were spun out on drugs or whatever. And God just dramatically saved them. And then you have other people and I'm like, hey, to adults, can you share your testimony? And they're like, uh, yeah, but I mean, there's nothing really to share. I'm like, I got saved at a young age. I'm like, and we've got to get over the fact that, like, every single time someone co- moves from death to life, puts their faith in Jesus, like, that is incredible. That is God, the power of God at work in their lives. And so mine's going to look different from Jeremy's in that I was raised in a Christian home, and, I mean, I was always in church. I mean, from the very beginning, um, there was no waiting period for me to not go in the nursery, Jeremy. It was just like from day one. What? I was just, yeah, it was just, oh, you're um, you're out of the womb. Go to the church nursery. <laughs> That's kind of how it was back in the early 90s. So, um, but I came to Christ. I know, I just know the gospel was taught regularly. And I really don't remember a ton about when I came to Christ. I have a few brief memories of that because I think I was like five or six years old. But I do remember uh, getting saved, putting my faith in Jesus. I remember being baptized. And um, like I didn't hear much about, I really don't understand all that um, was told to me in that moment or what I said. I just know I became a Christian um, at least made a profession of faith from a very early age. Um, Now, I grew in knowledge over time, but Jeremy, I remember like we had kids church and I got to tell you, like every time um, the gospel was preached and they talked about heaven and hell and about, and I heard a lot more about just praying a prayer. And and, um, I just remember thinking all the time, every time it was told like, um, you want to put your faith in Jesus and the way they would share it is you've got to, uh, verbalize that in a prayer. And I remember thinking, and that this may have, may have just been my perception, but thinking it was tied to the prayer and I had to say it just right. So I feel like every time there was an invitation all through elementary school, I would pray the prayer just in case I didn't get it wow. right. I was like, just to be, did I say that right? And so I'm like, okay, I, I'm like, I think I'm saved, but just, to, just in case, just to cover, uh, cover things, I'm gonna pray this prayer again. So, like, I don't know, Jeremy, what do you think? We're just praying a prayer because we're just gonna pause and kind of talk about this. But where do you think I praying went, a prayer comes into that? I went to a concert one time, a Christian concert, <clears throat> and uh, the lead singer of this band near the end of the concert asked everyone in there to bow their heads and close their eyes. And then he led us in a prayer. He said, repeat this prayer after me. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, then we, everybody, you know, bowed their head and said the words that he said. And then afterwards, he said to the crowd, now you're all Christians Ooh. because you repeated this like it was an ouch, you know, an incantation or a <laughs> password into the kingdom of God. Or, mm. uh, and there's nothing in Scripture that teaches that. Prayer is valuable, obviously, mm-hmm. for a million reasons. And your salvation experience is not just intellectual. Mm. It's spiritual. So it makes sense for prayer to be tied to it and to be part of it. But no one becomes a child of God. No one enters the kingdom through a prayer. Yeah. The prayer doesn't save you. The decision to believe the gospel and to repent is the salvation experience. And really, that's two sides of the same door. Yeah. But uh, so prayer is, again, valuable, but there's no magical words that you have to say. And if you don't get this right, you're not a child of God. Right. So... Uh, it's a tool, but we just have to be careful that we don't, especially with kids, you know, that we don't teach them to equate the two. Yeah. And I think a lot of that mindset comes from uh, the scripture for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so it just brings it to, hey, all you've got to do is call out. But I think it's under important to understand what does that mean? Because it's not just anyone who calls out God save me, just says those words that doesn't give them their salvation. So I think it's just understanding in the context what it means. What are you What are you doing when you're calling out? What is the attitude and position of your heart when you're calling out to God for salvation? And so, yeah, and there's, um, I remember reading a book later in college called Stop Asking Jesus in Your Heart by J.D. Greer. And uh, I know the title seems a little, what? But um, it was really good that it, they talked about that. Uh, the role in praying a prayer and not boiling down your salvation to a prayer. Um, So anyways, that was going through elementary school, then moving into middle school, like my first, um, my first camp experience. And you know, at a, at a Christian summer camp, they're going to be talking about salvation. Especially Thursday night. Oh, it was a Thursday (laughs) night. It was. So, I mean, uh, I went to camp, our youth group started in seventh grade. So it was the summer before my seventh grade. Uh, year I remember going, and that was like having assurance of your salvation. And really, I mean, in a way, it was good because I don't think from then on until later on, uh, when I was in a period of sin, which I'll talk about later. But I, I really felt in that moment I had it settled. I had assurance. I didn't feel like I had to continually pray that prayer. I got a little bit more assurance at that camp. Um, and you know, we can talk about this a little bit later, Jeremy, but. Um, we have so many times we hear of maybe your own kids have done this where they've made a profession of faith as a kid and then they, um, they have another, or they say they really weren't saved and then they re, um, what's the word, get assurance of their salvation later on. Rededication. 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 Or they get saved again. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. All of that gets confusing, especially in the mind of a, a 12 year old at, Teen camp, you know. Yeah, and so I we can talk about this more, but um, doesn't mean some sometimes we can be, you know, think that that moment when our kids were very young and and made a profession of faith that didn't mean anything. And bottom line, um, it doesn't matter when the turn happened, just that it happened. And so for me, looking back, Jeremy, I don't know if it was it when I was 
five years old? Or was it when I was in middle school? Or is it one of those many, many times that uh, I prayed a prayer and understood more of the gospel? I don't know. Just that um, looking back on it now, I know because of the conviction of the Holy Spirit and what God did in my life that I was saved. Not so much knowing the time or the place. Jeremy, do you have to know the time or the place in order to be <laughs> I saw a, um, a youth group once do a skit. Uh, am I turning into the old man of this podcast that has some life story to Yes. It? Okay. Bring so it. I saw this youth group do a skit where um, all the teenagers are acted like they were in a bus crash and died, and then they're all standing in front of some angelic being, and they have to tell him, the date of their salvation so that they can get into heaven and they get to the last kid on the bus and he's like, I don't have a date to tell you. And they tell him he can't go into heaven. Mm. Um, And I get what they were trying to do with the skit. um, But I remember having a conversation with my oldest son was in the youth group then and him being like, that is so weird. Uh, How many people actually know the date of their salvation? And the truth is a lot of people do, you Mm -hmm. know, they, Um, Someone encouraged them to write it down and remember it, and I think that's beautiful and helpful when you start to doubt, you know, that you can go back to that moment. But uh, I don't remember the day I got saved, um, but I'm convinced that I am saved. I don't think there's anything in Scripture that teaches that you have to be able to pinpoint this date and time. Um, I think to say that doesn't mean this is important. This is what I think. This is 100% true. Um, Scripture teaches us that to say that you don't have to remember the date and time doesn't mean that there wasn't a date and time. Your salvation experience is a moment in time. It happens. Boom. You were you were lost, and then you became a child of God. You were in darkness, and then boom, you were in light. But the process leading up to that is a process. Mm. And then after you become a child of God, your sanctification is a process. Yeah. So the drawing of the Holy Spirit, God the Father drawing us, uh, that is a process, and it's, it's not instantaneous. Um, and you becoming a mature Christian is a process and not instantaneous. And those are both important concepts for us to remember mm. as parents. And building, I mean, you talk about sanctification, Jeremy, and this is really where I feel. That's why I feel like your testimony and sharing this story, like, yes, share about when you can put your faith in Christ. And yes, we believe you are saved in a moment. It's not, uh, salvation doesn't just come over a period of time. There is a moment of salvation. But really, our sanctification is a big part of our testimony. And that, for me, is what I experienced. Because when I was, uh, like, moving into middle and high school, like, I, I truly believed, like, I had a desire to follow God. The Holy Spirit was in me. And even in that period of time, I surrendered to ministry. Like, I was very much, I wanted what God had for me, but I wasn't walking as, like, closely with Him in a, re- in a relationship that was still part of my sanctification that was unfolding. And it kind of came to a head when, like, I literally go off to Bible college, Jeremy, my freshman year, and I'm going and taking all these classes, but it's really just knowledge, and I do not have a close relationship with God. And I really, uh, towards the end of my freshman year of college, I just had disappointments. And then I just had a period of just straight up rebelling where I knew I was living in sin. And I was turning away from God completely and just basically just being a straight up hypocrite. 
And I remember there were moments just doubting, am I even really saved? How can I continue on in my sin without repenting? And um, looking back on it later, it was clear to me. I was experiencing conviction, but I was I was grieving and even quenching the Holy Spirit in my life. And um, and I looking back on it now, I probably couldn't have understood it then in the moment. But um, I I truly believe I was a Christian, but just totally running from God, and He was drawing me back, pulling me back. But um, there was resisting there. So um, you probably deal with this question, Jeremy, a lot, but like. Knowing someone, how do we know when someone's truly a Christian and not growing, or maybe they've never truly re- repented and believed? That comes up a lot. Yeah. How do so, we handle that? Uh, let's um, clarify this. Uh, Chuck and I both are convinced that the Bible bears out that once you become a child of God, you are eternally a child of God. Yes. Uh, so you may be listening to this and have a different perspective on that and, um, that's okay. You know, there's there's still plenty of room for us to agree on things and for you to glean something from what we have to say. But that's definitely the biblical position that we take. We take and we think is true and right. Um, John three sixteen. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Mm-hmm. Everlasting life began the minute that I became a child of God. That's not just the quality of the life I enjoy. It's also the quantity I get to be a child of God forever. So um, when we talk about um, teenagers wanting to rededicate or doubting their salvation, all those things, that concept is, is huge and important because we come to that conversation with that understanding that it's not that this kid could have lost their salvation. Mm. It, either they were saved before or they weren't. The problem is, how in the world can we know that? How could we possibly discern um, if that happened? Uh, and I get why the teenager or the adult or whoever's in this conversation is doubting their own salvation and struggling with whether or not they actually put their faith in Christ. But it's even harder for us to know the people on the outside of that, you know, we're not in their heart, we're not in their mind. We don't know what they believed before. Um, So it's impossible for us to know. Mm. Um, But the Bible does teach in 1 John some indicators of whether or not you are a child of God. Uh, Chuck talked about the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Lost people don't experience conviction like Christians experience conviction. Um, uh, Loving the Word of God, loving fellowship with other Christians, things like that. Um, don't come for lost people. Those yeah. are, are things that are only true of the children of God. So you can have those conversations with a person, um, but also at some point uh, trying to turn it into an intellectual exercise is dangerous. You mm-hmm. know, um, Usually if I'm talking with a kid, uh, which is um, you know, my professional role, the conversation becomes let's talk to God about this, mm-hmm. you know, and I encourage the kid to just have a conversation with God yeah. and we can trust him with this. A kid can say, or an adult or a teenager can say to God, um, I'm not sure I'm, I'm struggling with my relationship with you, but I want you to know that I trust you to save me mm. and I'm turning to you and I want to follow you. Um, and if I'm not a child of God, I want to be a child of God. Mm. A prayer like that isn't sinful yeah. if you are already a child of God, um, but it also is a solidifying of 
in your own mind of what you believe and and the relationship you want to have with Christ, that would be a salvation experience if you didn't already have one. Yeah. Um, Chuck, do you you probably deal with this way more than I do, working with teenagers and experiencing Thursday night at camp yeah. every year? Um, is there a danger if a kid is not a child of God? I don't know. I'm having this conversation with someone. They may be saved. They may not be saved. Is there a danger in me explaining to them that maybe they are a child of God? I mean, I think when it comes down to I want to be very, uh, very cautious because we don't know somebody's heart. So I, I would be more cautious for someone to get their assurance of their salvation from me telling them they're a Christian. Um, I would almost just say, hey, like pointing to like First John, like you said, um, pointing to, hey, these are evidences of, um, you know, what it means to be a Christian. Not that we're going to be perfect here, but do you see these at work in your life? And if if not, like go to God about this, you know, kind of putting it back on them. I would ask the question, do you see these evidences? Um, instead of me saying, hey, I see this, this, and this, so you're probably a Christian. Um, and again, like we... I would just go back to, we can't see their hearts. I would want to be cautious. I'm always going to be asking them, what do you believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you you about? There's times teens have come to me and they've said, Pastor Chuck, I'm not a Christian. And um, I, I would, I'm shocked by, because of in my, what I've seen on the outside, it would appear to be to me that they were a Christian. So I'm just going to take what they say they believe God's made it clear to them. God's made it clear to me. Um, I'm not a Christian. Now, I also think there's room where if someone is professing to be a Christian and there's no fruit at all in their life, we do have a responsibility um, as pastors and parents have a responsibility as parents, um, not to just straight up say, you're not a Christian, but to at least say, hey, these are evidences of a Christian and I love you, but I'm not seeing these. And we're told all throughout, we're told in scripture to examine ourselves to see whether we be in the faith. So I know we don't want to be stuck in doubting our salvation, but we are told to examine ourselves, at least have that thought. So remember this, uh, this is important. Um, Those conversations are healthy to have with your kids, but where we trip up sometimes is... Um, we use this as a form of discipline or yeah. correction. And we say, hey, um, you didn't clean your room like I told you to, and you're supposed to be a child of God. Yeah. And that's not how Christians act. And what we're saying to the kid is you need to try harder mm-hmm. to have this fruit that God should be putting in your life. You yeah. know what I mean? Like um, be careful to to tie those things with correction. Uh, and punish your kid for not acting like a Christian when they are a Christian. Yeah. And also don't expect your kid, uh, speaking of elementary age kids, don't expect your seven-year-old to get saved and then suddenly tomorrow stop acting like a seven-year-old. Right. You know, they're not going to be perfect. Their Christian growth is is a process. Yeah. And uh, so is yours. <laughs> so <laughs> we have to be gracious. And when we have these conversations and say, um, maybe something as strong as I'm not seeing Christian fruit in your life. That needs to be, a conversation like that needs to be out of a 
concern for their salvation, mm-hmm. not, hey, you need to stop behaving this way. Right. That's a different conversation. It's an appropriate parental conversation, but don't don't stir that up and mix that up with a, hey, are you a child of God mm-hmm. conversation? How confusing to a kid. Yeah, and I, I just, I think too, Jeremy, with, with that, and we're probably going to talk about this more and how the gospel affects all of our parenting, but just <laughs> what I tell our teen workers, because there's times... And you know this, you like, your kids are going to get on your nerves. And I tell our workers, sometimes teenagers are going to get on your nerves. They're going to just act like punks. And one thing that helps me to not be so irritable (laughs) with them is God will remind me how much of a punk I was as a teenager. And sometimes it's, it's important for us as we're dealing with our kids and understanding that they're... Um, even if they, after they've put their faith in Christ, that they're in the sanctification process of we're becoming impatient with them. Like, ask God to remind you what you were like as a baby Christian and the struggles you had and the attitude you had. And just I, that is a good thing to pray. That's something I, ha- I constantly have to pray. And so, Jeremy, I, I just like really want to put this practical and ask you, as, as a children's pastor, what would you say to a parent? A parent comes to you and they're like, Pastor Jeremy, my kid is coming to me and asking me, um, they're, they're asking me questions about salvation, how they can be saved. Where do I begin? What do I say to them? I don't want to like, you know, I want to be careful. And you, we've heard horror stories of people and you, I've been to VBSs before and it's like, Hey, do you want to go to, do you want to go to hell or do you want to be in heaven with mommy and daddy? Like what kid is going to be like, Oh, I'll take hell. You know, I love your VBS teacher voice and your kid voice. They were the same voice. That's great. Yeah. Close. All right. (laughs) What would you say? Okay. So, uh, we didn't plan it this way, but kind of the buzzword of this podcast has been process. Mm -hmm. Um, once a kid, once a person becomes a child of God, their sanctification is a process. It's important to remember that, and if there's doubt during that process and a need to rededicate and even uh, a a second um, salvation experience, in air quotes, all that's fine Mm -hmm. Um, and and something we shouldn't be afraid of. But salvation itself isn't a process, but the drawing and the leading up to that moment is a process. Mm. It's important as a parent to know where your kid is at on that process. We read... 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it kind of lays out these three points that we need to understand about the gospel. Um, And your goal as a parent is to make sure your kid understands those points. Mm -hmm. We cannot force our kid to make a decision to repent and believe. We can't even truly know if they've made a decision to repent and believe, but we can know if they understand these truths. So the Mm -hmm. first place to begin when your kid is asking about Um, going to heaven or becoming a child of God or any of those things isn't, hey, let's hurry up and pray a prayer and ask Jesus in your heart. I think the place to begin is at this intellectual exercise. Let's make sure they know and understand these gospel truths. First of all, that um, they are sinners. They need a Savior because of their sin. Um, This isn't just a matter of I need to be rescued from hell and I'm not guilty, I just don't want to go there. This is a matter of understanding their lostness and need of a Savior. You can't believe that Christ died in your place if you don't believe that you're guilty. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the first step is understanding that they're a sinner. Um, And it's hilarious. I talk to kids constantly, and I'm like, why do you need a Savior? I don't want to 
go to hell. I don't want to, you know, be punished or whatever. And then I say, well, did you do something? Have you sinned? Have you broken God's rules? And some kids are like, no, I never, never have. And I'm yeah. Like, wow, you're the perfect, you're the world's first perfect person after Jesus. So in that moment, when if, when a kid says that, would you just like cut off the conversation and be like, okay, like you're not ready yeah. for this? Great question. So that's, I, I try to find out where a kid is and teach them the next thing. Okay. You know, especially when they're younger. I don't want to throw all this at them at once, but I will say, hey, to really get this, I need you to understand that you have broken God's rules. There have been times that um, you have done something and you knew God had told you not to do that. You knew the Bible teaches not to do that. There's a time that you've been dishonest. There's a time you disrespected your parents. Uh, those are the easy things, obviously, that every kid mm-hmm. has done. So I, I want to move them to the next step of understanding. And then I also want to fill it out. And this is much easier when it's my own child. I want to fill it out. Hey, are they ready for more of this understanding? The next step would be that Christ is God in the flesh who allowed himself to be killed to take the punishment we deserve. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, I want them to understand that. Um, He was our substitute. He died on the cross to take our punishment, and he really died in our place. And then thirdly, I want them to understand that after he literally physically died, was buried, he got up from the grave. That's an important fact because it proves this wasn't just a nice guy who was Mm -hmm. killed on a cross. This wasn't just a good teacher. This is the Messiah. Yeah. He got up out of the grave. Um, it, in my mind, this is the linchpin of proving Christianity, the, the resurrected Christ. So we want our kids to embrace this truth. That's the gospel. Christ, we're sinners. Christ died in our place. He was buried because he was really dead, and he got up from the grave proving that he could rescue us from our sin. So I want to make sure they have that head knowledge. And then mm-hmm. I'm going to go back to, um, if they understand those three things, Jesus taught, repent and believe. Mm -hmm. Turn away from your sin and turn to following him. Um, Turn away from choosing this kingdom, turn to choosing his kingdom. So I want to ask them if that's something they've done or they're ready to do, and then is an appropriate time for a prayer. But usually, depending on the age of the kid, I'm going to encourage them to pray and then tell me about the conversation they just had with God. Mm. So I feel like I just ran through no, that really that's, fast. That's good. <clears throat> and just so I guess the big thing is having a good understanding of the gospel. Don't feel like you would say don't feel like you have to get it all settled in one conversation as a parent. Um what would you say what are any warning signs Jeremy where you've had to like cut off a not cut off that sounds kind of abrupt but like you know you're leaving that conversation. I w- I remember hearing sometimes where like you have to like almost like a salesman close the deal, and that you have to bring that conversation to a choose right now today. At what point do you think like okay this is a warning sign that this is th- it's not going to be settled in this conversation, and maybe like save like leave it here and then pick up the conversation another day. Um, I don't. I think if they are. Man, that's tough. So I think if they seem unsure about anything, then I'm going to pump the brakes. Okay. Is that a thing people still say? Yeah. I think uh, also I'm going to try to listen to the Holy Spirit and be spirit-led. But I think also I'm more likely to not encourage the kid in this first conversation 
hey, let's pray right now. Mm -hmm. I love to end that conversation after I've made sure they understand intellectually this gospel. I like to end it with, there's going to be a moment when you're feeling God drawing you. Mm. It's time for you to turn away from your sin and turn to him. When that moment happens, I want you to come talk to me. That's good. I want to know about that. Yeah. Or it, especially if it's my son yeah. or daughter, I want to know that that's happening. If I'm talking to a kid, um, today I'll do a Bible club out of school. If I'm talking to that kid, hey, if that happens, I want you to talk to your pastor at your church or your parent. Yeah. Or when I see you again next week, let me know that that happened. Mm. And then in that moment, I'm going to pray with that kid, give them a chance to pray. But honestly, their salvation experience will probably happen with them and God before I ever step into that. When right. they decide, I'm going to turn away from this and turn to this. So um, so usually I'll leave that with, let me know when you're feeling him drawing you. And mm-hmm. you'll know. You know, God's not, um, I'm telling kids all the time, God's not trying to trick you. He's not trying to make this hard for you. He's not the sphinx asking you some unsolvable riddle, you know. Mm-hmm. He... Um, he wants you to be his. So you're going to know. You're going to feel him drawing you, and you're going to know that it's time. So that's usually how I leave it with a kid. That's how I would leave it with my own sons now. Um, I will say this. Uh, it's so heavy as a parent. This is so important to you. Mm-hmm. This is your kid's salvation. It's probably more important to you than your own. You want to know your kid is in the kingdom. Yeah. Um, and because of that, it's hard to be... Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's hard to just be honest about what's going on and to not doubt it and to yeah. be unbiased. So it's not wrong to say, hey, I want you to talk to somebody else. Mm-hmm. I did that with all three of my sons. I said, hey, would you go talk to Pastor Tom and tell him about what happened tonight? Yeah. So then I've got, um, I have some reassurance. I have some you know, I've removed myself from the situation. I, I didn't force my kid to have this decision, mm-hmm. you know, and bringing somebody into it. I love being on your team for things like that. So that's not inappropriate yeah. or wrong. But at the same time, you shouldn't be intimidated by having a conversation with your own child about their salvation. Man, that is so good. And it's encouraging to think about that. I mean, how incredible would it be? Like God has given us our kids um, for a purpose and for... Um, obviously we know it's God that saves, it's the Holy Spirit that draws. Um, but we also know how can they hear without a preacher, according to the Apostle Paul. And so how incredible would it be that God uses us as parents to be the agent to share that gospel, to be the one to point our own kids um, to to make Jesus their Lord and Savior. I mean, what an incredible reality that is. Um, I pray for that and look forward to that in my own uh, son's life. I know many of you um, are still praying for that or you've experienced that, and God may use you to encourage others. Um, so we're going to continue this conversation in our next episode. There's so much more that um, the way the gospel uh, just affects our parenting, and uh, I'm gonna, we're going to hear Pastor Jeremy's uh, salvation testimony next week. Um, but I just want to thank you guys for listening to Beyond a Parent. Remember, parenting is beyond us, but in Christ, we have all that we need for this journey. Hey, thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye.